following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how you can join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I really appreciate it, those of you that have joined us online, and especially those of you that brave the cold to come out and be here in person this morning. Thank you for doing that as we begin 2022. 2021 is now in the history books. And I think most of us can say uh, we're probably kind of glad about that. Breathe a little sigh of relief that 2021 is over. Uh, It was kind of like someone just decided to retweet 2020, wasn't it? Um, And not in a good way. Uh, It was a little bit different, I guess. Instead of not being able to find toilet paper and hand sanitizer, this last year it was trying to find home COVID tests and uh, cream cheese. Uh, I'm not sure what that was about. That's a little odd, but this whole virus has been odd. And so we pray for 2022, for that virus to go away and for this to be a year of new beginnings, because that's what I love about this time of year. As we look forward to what all is out there, it's just this reminder that we serve a God of fresh starts, a God where anything is possible if we just hold on to him. And so that's what we have to look forward to this next year. It's my chance to do things differently, things that I fell short on, regrets that I have. I get a mulligan and I can just kind of start over as we move into this next year and ask God to use those regrets and shortcomings to refine me and to shape me more into more of who he's called me to be. And the year 2021 was kind of a significant year for me. It's the year that I turned 60. I've told you all that. And so that's kind of a big deal. I've entered into a new decade and I had such high hopes as I entered into my 60s because I started with my annual physical, right? And and it was the, the report I got back from it was the best report I've had in years at a physical. Um, about three years ago, some of you know, I lost about 40 pounds. To be totally transparent, now I need to adjust that to about 36 pounds after Christmas and all that I ate there. But still, lost a lot of weight, kept most of it off. Uh, When the the whole uh, pandemic started, I started walking about three miles a morning and have continued that. And so uh, the doctor sat me down and said, hey, everything looks great for you. Your numbers are all, your cholesterol is the lowest it's been. Your heart, uh, your, your blood pressure looks great. So way to go. So I was like, high five, let me out of the room, check please. I'll see you in a year. And as I'm walking out, he said, but, and don't you hate it when the doctor says, but, he says, but given your dad's heart history, because my dad uh, died at the age of 66 from congestive heart failure. And so that's just six years out. He said, given that I'm going to send you for a heart scan. I just want to get your calcium score, see where you're at. So he sent me for it. He called me a little later and said, hey, your, your numbers came back. You're at the 70th percentile, which, you know, you might think sounds okay. I mean, if it was my freshman year biology class, I would have been thrilled for that. But the problem is it's kind of upside down. There I was going for 100%. Here with this score, you're really going for 0%. So what that means is there's only 30% of men my age who are worse than me on the calcium score. So he said, I'm going to send you off to a cardiologist just to get another opinion. And so went and met with the cardiologist. He sat me down and said, hey, look, I know everything seems fine and you feel fine and you look fine. I mean, you look fine. Uh, But (laughs) this score suggests that there is probably something going on underneath the surface, maybe some plaque building up that happens over time and it needs to be addressed. Because if it's not, it'll just continue to build up and build up. And then one day you'll be out running and you're just going to fall over dead from a heart attack. And we don't want that to happen. 
To which I kind of chuckled underneath, you know, thinking, doctor, I know you're smart. You got an MD at the end of your name and all that, but uh, that's not going to happen because I don't run. So you don't have to worry about that. Let me put your mind at ease. But he said, no, 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 we're going to get a complete picture of your heart and how it's functioning. I, I want to do a, an EKG to see the rhythms of your heart. Is there, you know, something out of whack there? Are you an AFib or any, you know, irregular heartbeats that we need to pay attention to? I want to do a, a, a stress test to uh, put your heart under maximum stress, see how it does there. I want to do an echocardiogram just to kind of get the overall health of your heart. And then we'll see where you're at. So my 2022 is starting off a little differently than I had anticipated. I've already had the EKG tomorrow morning at 730. uh, Please pray for me. I'll be on a treadmill with a stress test. And then the next week I'll have the echocardiogram. And he said, you know, uh, we'll sit down when all that comes back. But my guess is you're not having any symptoms. You look to be doing okay. So it's probably just a little plaque buildup. And we're going to talk about making some, some minor adjustments to to hopefully bring about some major changes in how your heart is functioning. So maybe you're eating, your exercise, your lifestyle, those kind of things. We may just have to reset some things in order to get your heart on the right track. So you can probably guess what's been on the forefront of my mind this past month. And as I thought about what I wanted to talk about for this morning, as we begin this new year together, I just was reminded of how important checkups really are, right? Because if I hadn't gone in for my annual physical, I I would have just not thought there was any problem, right? I would have just thought I've got everything under control. And yet because of it, we recognize now there is some issue and hopefully can get it back on track. And so I thought, you know, there's a parallel here for our spiritual health, isn't there? Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said these words. He said, guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Another version says it this way. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Another version says, keep your heart. But I think the meaning is clear here. We're to keep an eye on the state, on the health of our hearts, spiritually speaking. Because it's so easy to go along day after day, month after month, year after year, and think, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. I don't think there's really a problem here. On the outside, everything seems kind of fine, and we just kind of coast. And all the while, underneath the surface, we allow things to build up, plaque, if you will, right? Things like uh, 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 resentment and unforgiveness, anger and bitterness, even busyness that can get in the way and take us just a few degrees off course and we begin to drift. And before you know it, we are going down a road that's totally opposite of where we want to be. And we're certainly not living in to the abundant life that Jesus has promised us. Author John Trent talks about what he, we calls the two degree shift, the two degree difference in his book entitled Heart Shift. And the whole idea came from a chance meeting he had when he sat down on an airplane flying out of Austin, Texas, next to an engineer from NASA. And he said, this was a dream come true for me. I'm such an astronaut wannabe nerd. I got to ask all the questions I wanted to ask. He said, poor guy, he thought he was going to have a relaxing flight, but I just started off on the questions. And he said, I could tell I hit a nerve when I got to my margin of error question." Now, when you hear his question, this is quote from his book, you're going to see exactly just what a nerd John Trent is, because this is his question. What are the tolerances you build into the trajectory when you blast off and head to the moon? Who talks like that, right? For example, after you blast off, can you be just a little off, say like a couple of degrees off your flight plan 
without it being a huge problem. And he said, the guy said, well, let me think about that for a minute. He reached to his briefcase. He pulled out a supersized TI calculator, starts punching in some numbers and says, just two degrees off from when you blast off, uh, roughly taking into account the time and the distance traveled. Well, you're not only going to miss your orbital entry, but you're going to miss the moon itself by, get this, 11,121 miles. That's how far off course you will end up. And he said he's never forgotten those words and what the implication is for our lives and for our hearts that given enough time and enough distance, a two degree change can have a huge impact on your destination. And that can work for your benefit or it can work for your detriment, right? Because the bad news is that there are areas of your life where, where you started off so great, right? You were headed in the right direction. And over time, with just a little distraction, just a little inattention to detail, you can make a small probably not even noticeable shift in your life and eventually end up miles away from where you intended to be. That's why some of you find yourselves here this morning uh, dealing with significant relationships that are in turmoil and you can't figure out what happened. Why does my marriage feel like it's dead? Why do our kids not come around anymore? Why is that friend not calling me anymore? And there wasn't some big event, some big explosion that you could point to. It just happened slowly over time. And now you find yourself kind of just scratching your head about how did we end up here? Or financially, you're running on fumes and there wasn't some big you know, catastrophe that you could point to. It's just over time, when more money goes out than comes in, eventually that will take its toll. Or maybe physically. This past year, you've watched the scales creep up little by little. A donut here, cupcake there, and now you're out shopping for the next size up in your favorite stretchy pants. Because small changes over time can lead to places, lead you to places you never thought you would end up at. And there is nothing more Satan would love than to get you just slightly off course in this life. C.S. Lewis, in his famous book, The Screwtape Letters, has the senior devil writing to a young protege, kind of revealing to him a little bit of the strategy Satan uses in our world. And listen to his words. He says, you will say these are very small sins. And doubtless, like all young tempters, you're anxious to be able to report a spectacular wickedness. But, but do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy. And for him, the enemy is God, right? It doesn't matter how small the sins are, provided that the cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into nothingness. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. What's he talking about? He's talking about just that small two degree shift, right? Where you end up where you never thought you're just drifting, you're distracted. And before you know it, you're just surviving. Well, the apostle Paul warns us about this very thing over in Romans chapter 13. If you have your Bible or your device, you can turn there, but this is going to be from the message version. And this is what Paul writes in verse 11. He says, make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted. Is anywhere one here could use those two words to describe any part of your life, absorbed and exhausted. I'm thinking I'm just five words in. I'm already convicted here. Um, but he says, don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. 
Do you sense the the subtle shift that is happening here that he's describing? Because remember, he's talking to Christ followers here. And there's nobody he's, that's hearing his words that started off on their faith journey thinking, I'm going to end up at a point where I'm oblivious to God. So he continues, listen, the night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. What's he doing? God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. He's saying, God's at work in your life. He has a purpose and a plan for your life, but it's so easy to get distracted and absorbed and and exhausted and totally miss what he wants for you and what he wants from you. And so he continues in verse 13. He says, we can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence and sleeping around and dissipation and bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger. Does that describe anyone here spiritually? Loitering, lingering, just kind of going through the motions, coasting. He says, don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. We know that routine, right? I'll serve God when? I'll serve God when all my kids are full-time in school. I'll serve them when my kids leave for college or when I retire or when I'm not taking care of my aging parents anymore. He says, don't do that. Don't Don't waste a minute. Don't wait till the last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ. And be up and about. Just reading that passage, I think, is so convicting because it calls out something in us that I think we all recognize. That, that, our, that, that, that given just to ourselves, our little heart will shift and shift and shift over a lifetime until suddenly we, we have, we, our heart is destroyed, right? We're no longer on the same path that God intended for us to be on. I think it's why the psalmist penned this prayer to God. He said, God, will you incline my heart? Will you incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain? I love the the choice of words there. Just incline it, God, just tilt it a little bit. And I think it implies that, that the natural state of our heart is not inclined towards God. It's not bent towards God. It's not turned towards God. And so he's asking God, help me reorient myself, God. Help me bend my heart, turn it in your direction. And so I thought maybe this morning, as we begin this new year together, this would be a good time for us to take a spiritual heart assessment, to kind of go through some of the tests that I'm about to have to go through to to make you do a little of the miserable work that I'm about to have to do over these next two weeks. Because Paul's warning in and of itself implies that we're all prone to waste time. And wasted time can lead to wasted days, wasted months, wasted years, and ultimately, can lead to a wasted life. And none of us want that. You wouldn't be here this morning if that's what you wanted. But it's so easy, isn't it? To just loiter and linger and allow ourselves to get off track and end up where we never intended to be. So let's begin with a spiritual echocardiogram. Let's just see the the health and the functioning uh, of your heart, the overall health and strength of it. Is your heart beating for the things that God's heart beats for? Notice the psalmist's request is, God, will you incline my heart towards things that matter to you, not towards selfish gain? So what does your heart beat fast for? Is it that next job promotion? Is it the new car? Next vacation? In other words, is it all about you? Is it what he's calling selfish gain? Or is it towards other people, reaching out to other people, lost people, reaching out to people who are less fortunate Because that's where God's heart is. It's people that matter to our God. I think a good question to ask is, do I love people more today than I did yesterday? 
Because a heart left to itself, a heart that just kind of coasts and drifts, is marked by lingering and loitering, will always turn towards selfishness. And eventually cynicism and bitterness and apathy will start to creep in. It is the default of the human heart to shrink rather than to grow. So how would your spiritual echocardiogram come out on a scale of one to 10? What would you give yourself? Now let's do a spiritual EKG where we're gonna think about the spiritual rhythms of our life. Do they align with a heart that is on fire, that is alive for the things of God, fully devoted to him? We talk a lot around here about the spiritual rhythms of a missionary disciple. So let's just run through some of them and kind of check yourself on these. The first one is just regularly engaging with scripture. How are you doing there? Are you finding time every day to get into God's word? It's amazing that the God of the universe inspired one book, just one book that he inspired to be written that would reveal who he is, reveal his heart and his will for his people. This isn't a whole volume. We're not talking the Encyclopedia Britannica like I grew up with. This is just one deal. And so many of us that say that Jesus is the most important thing in my life can't find a time in a day just to open it up and read 10 minutes of what God's heart is for us, what his desire is for our lives. How much more could we learn to live and love and serve like Jesus in 2022 if we just open it up and discover what he wants for us, who he is? And remember, whenever he got in a hard spot, what was his first reaction typically? It was to go to the truth of God's word. What if every time someone annoys you, what if every time you end up tempted to go to whatever your sin of choice is, all of a sudden a verse came to mind because you had just read it that morning. You had just been in that. It was hidden in your heart. You were ready to pull that up. How are you doing engaging with scripture? And another uh, spiritual discipline is your prayer life. Are you engaging regularly with God in prayer? What if you committed this next year to really going hard after God in prayer? See, what if our problem isn't unanswered prayer? What if our problem is prayers that were never prayed? How much peace do we forfeit because we don't ever go to God in prayer? How's your prayer life? And then another one, being involved in a small group community. We talk a lot about that around here. A place where you're known and cared for. Jesus gathered around himself a small group of believers who knew him, who encouraged him. And he was God. If he needs that, certainly we need that, right? You need people around you who encourage you and know you and challenge you and love you and help you to be the best version of you. Are you involved in a small group? Another one is being consistently present for times of corporate worship and teaching. It's no secret, right, that we've been through two pretty rough years as far as getting together in this room to worship together because of what's going on in our world. And churches like ours have worked tirelessly to provide meaningful times of worship and teaching that you can watch online from your home. But God's intention was never for that to be a replacement for what happens in this room. He wants us to be together face to face. It's why the Hebrews writer says, let us consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Because there's just something about a family getting together, right? And standing together and worshiping side by side together and bringing our own unique gifts and talents to share with one another, build each other up. 
Um, so, you know, I, I get it that there's legitimate reasons for you to be, some of you to be at home watching online, but there's so much that can't happen on your couch at home. And, and look, I know it's not that you don't know how to find your way here. Christmas Eve service, this room was almost packed. So I think here's a good rule of thumb. If you were at the mall this week, or you were out reading, eating at a restaurant this week, you can be here on Sunday morning. And you need it. And we need you here. We're doing kingdom work here. We need all hands on deck. How are you doing with that? And then finally, participating in serving our community. We're called to be a light, a city set on a hill. We're the local church. We're the hope of the world. Have you found your spot here to serve, to help carry out the mission of this church? A place where we're reaching lost people with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. A place where we're reaching out to help those less fortunate. That's your spiritual EKG. How are you doing? Scale of one to 10 on your EKG. And then finally comes your stress test. Uh, Tomorrow, they're gonna stick me on a treadmill. They're gonna crank up the speed. They're gonna crank up the incline and see how I function under maximum stress. How does your heart function under maximum stress? When you find yourself in stressful situations, does it typically cause you to walk towards God, to trust him more, to depend on him more? Or does stress typically lead you in a direction away from God, lead you with a heart of bitterness and a little bit of anger towards God? How would you do scale of one to 10 on your stress test? That's it. That's kind of the three big assessments uh, that we, I think, need to be totally honest with ourselves as we enter into this new year. How'd you do? If you're like me, there's some areas where I think, yeah, I'm killing it there. I I did great there. Showing up on Sunday morning, you can count on me. I'll be here. But there's other areas in my life where I realize, yeah, there's some blockage there. I probably need to pay attention to that. Loving people more today than I did yesterday. Not sure about that one, particularly with the year we've just been through. And the divisions in politics and race and COVID and social media posts. And sometimes I think, what's the matter with people? People kind of stink. I'm not even sure I like people anymore. Did I just say that out loud? Have you ever felt that way? Yeah, maybe we could use some help here. So what do we do about it? Maybe just the thought of the changes you need to make over this next year is a little bit overwhelming. And you're thinking, there's no way I can't, that's too much. That's too big of a mountain to climb. Your heart rates up and you're almost paralyzed just thinking of the changes that need to happen. But that's where this whole two degree shift is working towards your benefit. Because here's the good news. The good news is if you find yourself off course this morning, financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, the good news is with just a small shift in your direction, You can correct your course and eventually, given some consistency over a period of time, you can still end up at your intended destination. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make this time of year at New Year's is thinking, you know, I got to make these huge, drastic, life-altering changes in my life so that by mid-March, everything is fixed. It's why we see ads running, you know, lose 40 pounds in 40 days, sign up now. And we sign up and then here comes the diet in the mail. And it's basically just drink five gallons of water a day and take two chickpeas for dinner and, and, and you'll lose, of course you'll lose weight, right? But it's not sustainable. You can do it for a week or two, but you can't continue to do that. And finally, one day you're going to give up and you're going to find yourself at midnight in a parking lot in front of Crumble's Cookie going through a four pack all by yourself. I've just heard that that can happen. It's why, it's why gyms are packed this week, but will be half empty by mid-March. 
Maybe it's not about making big, gigantic, 180 degree changes that so often leave us feeling defeated. What if it's just the small things, the small changes moving in the direction of God's heart that will over time lead to the differences, the big differences that you want in your life. C.S. Lewis offers this perspective. He says, good and evil both increase at compound interest. That is why the little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good act today is the capture of a strategic point from which a few months later, you may be able to go on to the victories that you never dreamed of. Makes me think of a story back in the Old Testament where the people of God had been in Babylonian captivity for years and God finally comes to this man Zerubbabel and says, hey, I want you to lead a remnant back to Jerusalem. This is your new year, right? This is your fresh start. And so they take the group back to Jerusalem and they're all filled with hope. And he says, I want you to rebuild the temple because the temple had been destroyed. The the land had been vacated. And so they come back and their hopes are set high and they, they start, but they get off to a shaky start right? The the stones get laid and it's not as impressive or as big as the original temple was to the point that in Ezra, it's written many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. It was like they were embarrassed because it was just so unimpressive. They were like, this is so small, so pathetic. There's just a few rocks here. This isn't going to amount to anything. And isn't that how we feel so often? You know, we, we go to the gym, we start eating all the foods that we hate and we walk every day and then we do it for a week and we get on the scale and boom, we've lost a pound. Sometimes we've gained a pound and we think this isn't getting me anywhere. This isn't, it's too hard. It's too much. I've tried, but I can't do it. And we get embarrassed by our small beginnings, but I want you to hear God's perspective on this temple being rebuilt. This is what he says over in Zechariah four. He says, don't despise these small beginnings. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Boy, I hope that encourages you this morning because you've got to start somewhere. You got to put one stone down before you can put the second stone down. And God rejoices to see you being faithful in even the smallest of things. I think one of the challenges so often is we look at other people's lives on Facebook, on Instagram, we see their highlight reels. And then we know our behind the scenes, right? And we get discouraged and intimidated or Or even looking at heroes in the Bible, a hero like Daniel that we would look at and say, he's got such great faith, right? Stands in a lion's den. His faith is just unwavering. I'll never have a faith like that. I want that kind of faith. But we forget three times a day, year after year, Daniel stopped whatever he was doing, got on his knees and sought after the Lord in prayer. What kind of faith do you think you would have? If you just devoted three times every day to seeking after God, just a small little habit that could make a huge difference in your life. I'm reading a book right now by Mark Batterson called Do It For A Day. And I love the opening line. It says, show me your habits and I'll show you your future. He says, your destiny is not a mystery. Your destiny is just a culmination of your daily habits. And then he says this line, I love it. He says, if you will begin to do little things like they're big things, then you will start to see God doing big things like they're little things. So here's my challenge for us this morning. Can we as a body here just commit to one small change this year that will move your heart in the direction of God's heart, that will incline your heart towards God, just a little two degree shift in 2022, because every small change you make will head you in a direction. 
Every small step you take causes you to move closer or farther away from the heart of God. So what if we got real serious about strengthening our heart muscle, being more intentional about loving other people well in this this world? What would that look like? Well, as we close, I just want to offer a few practical things that hopefully get your mind to start thinking about this. But what if you just committed to picking up the phone once a week and calling that friend that you never hear from just to check in on them? Or committed once a week to stop in and check on your aging parents and just visit with them for a few minutes. Writing a handwritten letter to that grandparent that lives out of state and encouraging them. And watch how God uses little gestures like that to encourage them and to change your heart. Here's a small shift that I think could actually revolutionize some of your lives this morning. If you didn't hear anything else I said this morning, this could be a life changer, a game changer, because I think one of the main tools that Satan uses to shrink our hearts is this little thing we carry around in our pocket that is constantly 24 seven news feeds coming at us and, and messages from, you know, social media that is angry and bitter and ads that keep us always discontent and wanting the next big thing. Did you know that, first of all, you can see how much time you waste on this thing every day? If you have an iPhone, you just go to your settings and go to screen time and you'll get a thing that looks like this. And that's mine. I'm just being totally transparent here. It looks like I'm averaging about three hours and a half per day. Now, keep in mind, I was off work this week. So, okay. But that's a lot of time wasted on this thing, right? But what I love is the newer things they've added down here. You see app limits, You can choose an app on your phone like Facebook or Instagram and say, no, I'm not going to waste more than 15 minutes uh, this day on that. And you set it. And when it gets there, it'll shut it off. And then there's downtime, which is another great one. You can schedule a downtime for yourself during the day where your phone is not constantly coming at you. You can choose a few, um, you know, people that maybe can still get through that need to get through. But other than that, it just shuts it down so that you have time to actually interact with real people in real time, in a real world. It's what we're called to do. And I think just that little two degree shift may be the most important thing that you hear today. I think a marriage could be saved today over that. Or what about becoming more consistent in the healthy rhythms of spiritual life? Getting involved in a Bible reading program. We as a church are going to go through the New Testament uh, this year, and we have a program that we're uh, that we've laid out for you, and I'll talk about it a little later at the very end of the service. But you, it starts tomorrow, and you can just read a little bit and go through the whole New Testament. What about your prayer life? What if you just committed to pray for one person regularly over this next year? Maybe that coworker that doesn't know Christ, maybe that boss that gets on your nerves. You know, it's hard to stay angry at someone that you're regularly praying for. I'll even go a little deeper here. What if you're a Republican out there and you started praying for our president regularly instead of retweeting things that are negative? You think that might change your heart? And you Democrats, what if you started praying regularly for Governor Abbott? You think that could change your heart? How about showing up here every Sunday in person to worship and learn and encourage each other? Could you commit to that? Kathy and I told our kids a long time ago, hey guys, we're making this decision one time. We go to church on Sundays. We're not, we don't wake up on Sunday morning making that decision because if you wait till Sunday morning, there will be a hundred things that come your way to keep you from getting here. So you just say one time, we're showing up and it's Sunday, this is where we're at. And you watch how God will take that small thing and use it in big ways. Guard your heart. Watch over your heart. It will determine the course of your life. 
Look, I don't know how long my physical heart is going to last, how long it'll keep beating. Hopefully with a few tweaks and changes, it'll last a good long time. But I know that my spiritual heart is going to beat on forever into eternity. And I want it to be a heart that is inclined towards God. One of my favorite pictures of my dad uh, is this one I'm going to share with you. It's him. It's going to make me cry because my son's here, but it's him with my oldest son, Corbin. My dad was a doctor. And so this is in his uh, doctor's office, teaching him how to use a stethoscope. Um, But it's about a year before he died from heart failure. And I love it um, because there's this great man who didn't have such a great heart physically, but his spiritual heart was golden. He loved God. Uh, He loved people so well. And just the imagery of another generation, his grandson listening to and learning from his heart makes my heart so grateful. And I want to leave that same legacy to my kids, to my grandkids. I want them to think about a dad, a pop pop, whose heart was God inclined. So my prayer for 2022 is this, that we as a body here would have the courage to take the first step, to make the small change, the tweak, so that on that great day, one day when we finally see our Savior face to face, we can present to him a fully devoted heart, a heart that has been inclined towards his heart. A heart that says we were all in Jesus because you know, that's what he was for you. He was all in for us. And it's what we're going to celebrate right now. If if you have your elements with you, if you'll take those, we're going to just remember a God who loved us enough to be all in, whose heart was inclined towards ours, believe it or not. And so on the night that he was betrayed, he met in an upper room with his small group. And he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this and remember me. Let's do that. And then he took the cup. He said, this is my blood and it represents the new covenant that I'm making with you today. And I won't eat or drink of this again until we do it together in heaven. And every time you drink from it, remember me. Let's do that. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how to join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org.